Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Nerd Unscripted. This is your jolly host, Tony Ladig. And um, as you probably saw in the, excuse me, in the uh, webinar announcement, the theme for today is swear words and magic wands. And I'll tell you where that came from. Um, so uh, we were having a conversation at breakfast this morning. Uh, my mom comes every Tuesday and Thursday for breakfast. And uh, so the, uh, her and myself and Kristen were having this conversation. And one of the things we were talking about was our, um, our nerd store, Nerd Von Outpost. And uh, it's been open, I guess we soft opened on uh, June 1st. So it's been open almost six months. Um, our grand opening was actually in October. And uh, so one of the things that we do in our stores, which, of course, you would do online as well, is to pay attention to trends, um, track what's selling best and what isn't, um, you know, so you can plan your inventory better or so on and so forth, just like any business would do, you know. And... Um, so one of the things that we've noticed, we have a couple uh, categories of products uh, in our nerd store that sell extremely well. One is a, uh, a line of products by a company called Blue Q, and they specialize in um, socks and oven mitts and tea towels and um little bags and different things like that. But what uh, is kind of their claim to fame, if you will, is the sayings on said socks and oven mitts and so on. And uh, so they have a lot of different ones, uh, some of which are G or PG, and then some are a little bit more uh, pronounced, you know, with swear words and stuff. And of course, those are the ones that are the most popular in our store. But we actually had to restructure the layout of our store um, a little bit. And we're doing it uh, again here shortly uh, to accommodate having, you know, NSFW products, not safe for work uh, products uh, whenever we also have parents bringing younger children in. Um, and you know, we want to be respectful and, and protect our children and all of that. But by the same token, uh, you know, mama needs a little something too. <laughs> and so, um, so initially we erected this, uh, small wall that kind of blocks, um, so that whenever you walk in the door, you can't directly see like curse words, you know, like that's what we want our parents you know, or, or our customers first experience to be is, you know, walk into, uh, our store and see the F word. Um, so not, not exactly smart merchandising. Um, so what we're doing now, we have this room that we've had all of our star Wars toys in and, and, uh, except for the vintage toys, the regular, the other toys just aren't really selling. So we're, shipping all those bad boys off to auction and we're turning that room into our uh, adult room. And it's not adult from a porn perspective. I mean, obviously we wouldn't sell something like that, but we also don't want to see, want younger kids to see profanity, you know? 
Um, and so, uh, but yet you accommodate your customers, you sell them what they want to buy. Uh, so anyways, we have all of these, uh, products that have swear words on them and they sell like hotcakes. They're our number one seller. And, uh, like it's a trend, um, because like, even if you look at say coloring books on Amazon, the top selling coloring books are all profanity coloring books for the most part. And I think that there's a reason why. Um, I think people are kind of frustrated with their life circumstance. Um, they may just see it as funny. You know, it's a way of using humor to get a more serious, deeply held point across, you know. Um, and I mean, in some cases, it's just fun not to read too much into it. Um, but our second best selling product in that store are magic wands. And we have um, a lot of wands of different kinds. Um, some of them are licensed, like from Harry Potter and Fantastic Beasts. Um, just from Harry Potter alone, we carry 21 different wands, I think. And then uh, from Fantastic Beasts, we just got in Fantastic Beasts wands, and there's eight different wands so far in that line. And then we also buy wands from um local vendors who make their own um we have uh brooms and all kinds of stuff but we sell a lot of wands um for a small town that we live in and by a lot i mean like in the last two months we've probably sold around 50 or so which to me seems like a lot um <laughs> you know for a town whose population is like you know, 20,000 or whatever, that seems like a lot of wands to me, but I'm not complaining. I'm glad to give them the opportunity to buy magic wands. Too bad they don't work. Um, or maybe it's a good thing that they don't work. But also in thinking about that, I mean, it's like, why, why is, why are those two products the best selling products? Swear word based products and magic wands. Like, why are those the two hottest items for us? And, um, in thinking about it, I, you know, I already shared about the swear words, but, um, with the magic wands, I mean, I know a lot of people really love Harry Potter, love those movies. Um, we, we love them too. Um, you know, we just saw the second fantastic beast movie, I think last weekend or weekend before, and they're just fun. Um, they represent an escape. Obviously, um, the Harry Potter movies are a hero's quest kind of movie. It's about Harry's coming of age and all the stuff that he has to go through to go from childhood to arrive at accepting who he is and why he's here, you know, on this planet, um, whatever that, you know, however that may take place. Uh, and in his case, a bit convoluted, but, um, so I, I think that the movies are relatable if you've seen them, um, of course, you know, not everybody holds that, uh, belief toward those movies, especially, um, some in the Christian communities and, and what have you. But, um, more than that, I think with the wands specifically, the wands are an identifier. I mean, when it comes to wizards and witches, 
it's always been about the wands. And even like fairies and stuff, of course, uh, also have wands. And of course, the, the great draw about a magic wand is that its ability to change reality. And so to me, like I, this is my personal belief that I could be 100% wrong. But I think one of the reasons why people are drawn to the wand so much is it's an identity connection because deep down they wish that they could change their reality. And so whether this is true or not is immaterial to the point that I want to make. There's a lot of times where we feel stuck. And, um, you know, very often people will complain whenever they're stuck. Um, they express their frustration, you know, using swear words many times, depending on who you are. I actually read a study uh, a couple of weeks ago where it says that, uh, I forget how they worded it now. Uh, people who swear a lot have, um, a more firm grasp on who they are as a person or something like that. I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, but anyway, um, the way I see it and the point that I want to make using these stories to, to make a point is that um, there's a lot of people who feel stuck. They feel like a lot of the elements in their life are out of control. Maybe you can relate. And um, so you have two dynamics that take place very often in that kind of a circumstance. One, you have the frustration of being stuck or feeling like you're stuck and, you know, a desire to express that somehow, you know, to just deal with frustration and everything. And then on the other hand, you wish that you could just change things like that, you know, as if by magic, you know, wave a magic wand and all of a sudden life is peachy keen. And of course, in the practical sense, that's just not going to happen because while there are magic wands and some of them may actually even possess magic, not the ones we sell, but I'm sure there may be some people that do interesting things with magic wands out there. I don't know any of them, but I also don't know everybody on the entire planet. So I can't say 100% for sure there's no such thing as a magic wand that can change things. Just because you or I haven't seen that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Um, but for most practical applications, not going to happen. Um, and I kind of see it akin to the uh, mystical magic button that people seem to always look for, you know, convinced that it exists, but yet it's elusive. And um, the long and the short, I, I, you know, it's the end of the year. This is our last show of the year. Um, so it's kind of a send-off message, if you will. The long and the short of it is that if your life sucks, rather than bitch about it, do something about it. And if it seems like it's out of your control, you're not looking hard enough or you don't want it hard enough. Now, there are exceptions to the rule, obviously, certain types of health issues and, you know, things like that. Certainly, uh, you can't just say, you know what, I'm not going to have cancer anymore and make up your mind and boom, it, it vanishes instantly. 
you know, so I am a bit of a realist in all of what I'm saying, but there are also many, many other things that goes on in her life. And you know what I'm talking about. Um, I've certainly dealt with a lot of those issues myself over the years where we wish that something would just change or that, um, you know, God would intervene or somehow we would magically win the lottery and that would change everything or whatever the case may be, you know, whatever, uh, displacement, uh, ideology we come up with when in reality we don't need a magic wand we don't need to vent our frustrations we need to choose differently and you know we often see these stuck areas of our life and we think this is never going to change and so we don't even try or we try a little bit and then we give up you know and a lot of times it's because we don't have somebody to push us, you know, to yell at us, you know, keep going, keep going. Like I saw this uh, video, I posted it on my timeline yesterday. I'm not really much of a sports person at all, um, these days anyway, but it was a clip from a movie and there was this, I, I haven't watched the movie, I just watched the clip, but there was this guy, obviously he was like the star jock and he was way underperforming and, you know, a bit of a smart ass. And, and so everyone, you know, looked to him and the coach recognized that, but him not giving his 100% was affecting the team. So the coach challenged him and, uh, you know, challenged him to walk on his hands and toes blindfolded to the 50-yard line. And he's like, oh, I can do that. And he's like, well, what about if you do it with a kid on your back, 160 pounds on your back? And he's like, I think I can do that. And so he started doing it, and he got to where he wanted to quit. And the coach got it in his face, even though the kid really couldn't see where he was going. He was blindfolded. The coach kept yelling at him and encouraging him and you know just 50 more steps 30 more steps you can do it well ended up that the kid made it to the end zone like he finally got to the point where he just couldn't go forward any further and he collapsed and the coach told him to take off the um the blindfold that he was wearing and look at where he was so the kid thought that he was fighting for the 50 yard line but he ended up going clear to the end zone and he never would have done it if the coach hadn't pushed him and it really stress stresses the value of coaches, you know, because by default, we're all lazy. You know, I mean, we may get stuff done, but we're really lazy. I mean, good Lord, I get a lot done. And there's still times where I, I just don't feel like doing anything, you know, so I'll just kill hours upon hours. But yet, you know. I mean, this year in my business, I created 22 products, 22 courses, uh, which is a lot. I mean, that's almost two per month or yeah, two per month, um, which is a lot given that, you know, many others will create maybe one a month or one every couple months or whatever. Um, I just had a lot to say, a lot that I wanted to share and I got it done and, and <sighs> 
I probably, I, I mean, in all honesty, there's a lot more that I can think of that I could have done personal projects that aren't finished that I could have finished. Um, you know, whatever the case may be. But my point is that not just business, I don't, I'm not just referring to business here. Um, there's a lot of things that we can look at in our life um, where we have these repeating patterns. Why does this keep happening to me over and over again? Um, I sure as hell have had them in my life. Um, and uh, one of the examples, which some of you are probably familiar with, um, I was sharing it with my mom today because I don't think I ever told her about this. But when I first got started in the online space, so we're talking probably about 12 years ago. Um, I, technically, I got started in 2005, but 2006 is when I really went full-time online. And um, I was just getting started. I mean, I remember celebrating $100 a day, five days in a row, and taking my family out for dinner. Um, and uh, that was like the biggest thing ever for me to hit five days in a row where I actually made over $100 in a day uh, online. Now that would cause a lot of panic, <laughs> potentially. Um, but that that day would not happen. But anyway, um, there was, I remember very clearly, you know, still had bills to pay, uh, mortgage, all that kind of stuff. And about the third week of the month, I would start feeling the pressure of needing to pay my bills at the end of the month and uh, really not knowing how that was going to happen because, you know, at the beginning of the third week, in most cases, I just didn't have that money. And the dynamics are a lot different whenever you're making your own money versus working for someone else with a paycheck. Um, because the pressure is a lot different. I mean, I've been on both sides. And, uh, you know, knowing if you put in your 40, you're going to get your paycheck. Like that compared to trusting that people want to actually buy shit from you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that they actually care about what you're offering or whatever. And that you've read them correctly and all of that. And uh, so there was a lot of stress, a lot of worry. Um, for me, I called it my own monthly cycle, even though I'm a dude. Um, it was like I went through this monthly cycle that started the third week of every month. And I mean, I would get so stressed out. I would feel just an incredible amount of anxiety and uh, just worrying how am I going to pay my bills? You know, I have a mortgage at 700 bucks, which is, I think what it was back then. And, uh, you know, and I had 300 bucks, you know, and still needed to get groceries, still ne needed to put gas in the car, you know, and I was driving, driving beaters back then. So I didn't really have a car payment, um, which, you know, in hindsight, it'd be nice to not have a car payment instead of what I'm paying now, but still my choice. Um, but I remember uh, after months and months of this, having this question pop into my head one day, why, why do you keep worrying 
whether your bills are going to get paid when every month they ultimately do. Like, I wonder what would happen if you actually went through the month without worrying and stress and just accepted the fact that by the end of the month, all your needs would be met. And it just seemed like a foreign concept to me, you know, honestly, until um, one day I just decided to find out what would happen. You know, and trust me, I was doing a lot of complaining, a lot of stress and worry, you know, a lot of uh, just not trusting myself. I mean, really is what part of it came down to. And uh, so I made up my mind that no matter what happened, I was going to just accept the fact that by the end of the month, everything would work out without all of the extra worry and stress and crazy. And you know what happened? It all worked out. The next month, decided to try the same thing. It all worked out. So now, here this change happened as if by magic. And I, being the person that I am, needed to understand why. Why was I doing what I did before and ultimately getting my needs met versus doing something different and having the same outcome? that my needs were met. And in digging down into myself as a person, what I ultimately discovered was that I was getting something out of the worry and stress. And what I was getting out of it was I was creating scenarios so that I could save the day. You know, if it looks like our bills can't get paid and I put in the extra effort or create a new product or send out a new email sequence or something, whatever it might be. And that brings in the money. Then I've saved the day. No, you know, our bills get paid. Hooray. Tony's a superhero. And who doesn't want to be a superhero? Not that there's anything wrong with that. Right. Um, but it was the adrenaline rush that I was getting off of saving the day because it validated me. It, it proved that I had value because I saved the day. And I thought, well, nothing wrong with valid validation and all that. I mean, that's a good thing, except that it wasn't. And um, the reason why it wasn't is uh, ultimately one of those really hard realizations that you have about yourself that you really don't want to face. And what that was for me in that situation was that I really didn't see value in myself. Like I didn't, I saw it, but I didn't really deep down believe it, that I had value. And so I needed to create these scenarios so that I could come in and save the day so that I would be validated. You know, I'm somebody now. Like, uh, one movie that uh, Steve Martin was in, whenever he found his name in the uh, phone book, you know, went rejoicing. I'm somebody now. Um, and that was kind of it for me. 
So it was like trying to prove to myself that I really did have something to say, that I really did have value, that I really was worth something because I felt worthless is what it really came down to. My self-worth was shit. I just didn't have any. And, um, and so that, uh, started a series of chain reactions, uh, in my life because I saw, you know, if I change this, um, something better happens. And that is actually that, uh, discovery process for lack of a better way of describing it. Um, that discovery process of recognizing that I had self-worth issues, um, was the beginning of my business transforming. That's what led to, you know, the proverbial $100 a day scenario for me. And um, I'd love to say that realizing that about myself um, and even seeing positive change from that realization just transformed everything overnight except that it didn't, it didn't change everything overnight. And, um, and then like shortly after that realization and that discovery is when my dad died. And so it's like, yay, I'm finally starting to figure shit out. And then boom, you know, divorced, lose multiple family members, you know, all that kind of crap. <laughs> and so I was about as far out of control of my own life as I could be. And it drove me insane. I hated it. And there wasn't anything I could do about it. But, um, you know, I wanted the easy button. You know, I back then, 10 years ago, now we're in this timeline of discovery, about 10 years ago is when my dad died. Um, not quite 10, 10 in February. Um, I wanted the easy button. I mean, as much as anybody who's ever lived, you know, wanted an easy button or a magic wand to change things. It was me in that period of time because life just sucked on every imaginable level. It sucked in my relationships. It sucked in my family. It sucked in my job, my business, like, uh, even my relationships with my girls because of the divorce. Uh, my dog died. So even my pets, I'm like for crying out loud, what the hell next, you know? Uh, it just drove me crazy, uh, and I couldn't change it. At least I didn't think I could change it. And that's where, as I've shared many times before, that the whole mantra attacked my brain of stop focusing on what you don't have and give thanks for what you do. And, of course, gratitude will always change. No matter what circumstance you're facing, gratitude is the one thing that can move you through it. And it certainly did for me. But I wanted it changed instantly and it took years. And I think the reason why for me it took years is because I'm an Aries and so I'm very stubborn and thick headed. And, uh, you know, I'm also very tenacious, which is a positive trait, but it can also be a negative, um, where you just fight and fight and, you know, you don't let go until you get what you want. Um, until it becomes hurtful. You know, you have to learn when to let go. Like Kenny Rogers says, you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. 
Um, and that's certainly true. And so I spent a lot of time in those years, um, 2006, 2007, and eight, um, just exasperated. Or, well, no. See, Dad died in 2009, so this would be moving forward. So it took me three years to really get a grip on on things. And I think I just shared this a couple of weeks ago. One of the major factors that kind of became my magic wand, if you will, was um, I had this realization that I was not living in the moment. I was living in the future, mostly a little bit in the past, but mostly the future, looking forward to what's next, you know, looking forward to the magic wand moment where everything would be cool and happy and, uh, and all of that, you know, waiting for my boat to come in, so to speak. Um, but in 2012, so six years after I'd been in business online, three years after my dad died, I got the right idea to take a picture of the sky every day for 365 days for the whole year. And that was 2012. And I did it. And the whole reason why I did it is because the reason why I started that project is because I, I knew that I needed to understand how to live in the moment and just embrace the moment with gratitude. Cause that was a foreign concept to me. Like I had no idea how to really do that. I mean, I was alone, you know, um, empty nesting as it were as a single guy and traveling a lot, um, because I could, you know, I mean, be a single guy with not many expenses and make a quarter of a million dollars a year at that time. Um, you can pretty much do whatever the hell you want. I mean, <laughs> that's the reality of it. And so, you know, I choose to chose to buy cars and travel, take pictures and, and, you know, work from the road. And, uh, but one of the things that, that was really awesome that happened in that period of time was that my idea worked that after spending a full year of paying attention to the sky and what was going on around me, it literally changed how I saw a lot of things. Now, relationships, not so much. <laughs> it took me a lot longer to figure that out. Um, I seemed obsessed with dating crazy people, but um, fortunately that is gone now too. That is ended. But um, it was a process. And that's kind of my point. We have within us, just like an uh, acorn, um, everything we need to achieve anything and everything we want to, to where it looks like magic. We don't have to be frustrated. Frustration, anxiety, stress, none of that is going to get you to where you want to go. You know, and I think we all know that, right? Um, and so if it isn't going to serve us and isn't going to get us what we want, then why do it? 
You know, I mean, that that was the big lesson for me. Why do it? Why stress? Why worry? You know, why allow myself to get into depression um, and all of that stuff? You know, all that by giving in to the darkness, which is what we'll call it, by giving it in, giving into the darkness, it's just going to make things more dark. Then you end up on depression meds. You end up drinking or crying yourself to sleep or, you know, getting into um, obsessive habits, you know, which there are many. You don't have to, you don't have to drink or do drugs to get into weird habits. And none of those will get you to where you want to be. But what I discovered in my journey through all of this is that it's making a choice that you're going to do whatever you have to do to get what you want. Like you have to want it. You need a strong reason why. And you've probably heard that before. You have to have a reason why. You have to want it. And it and the reason a good reason why is not I want to make you know a bunch of money I want to make a million dollars what are you going to do with a million dollars like what's your purpose for that you know just so you can you know live a charmed life and not do anything to help anybody else you know because ultimately we are not islands unto ourselves um, you know we are not born to be narcissists. Um, we're here to help other people. And um, the secret to any success that you can ever hope on or desire for always involves others. It's never about you. And what I discovered was, is that the less that I focused on myself and my own issues and my own wants and all of that, not that it's wrong to want things, but the less that I focused on them, the more I actually got what I wanted and the more happy I was. But there was a time where I had to really strip myself down and take a long, hard look. And this was done with the help of coaches. And say, you know, strip all the stuff away that you identify with, you know, what makes you Tony, you know, Tony, the photographer, Tony, the teacher, Tony, the webinar guy. Um, Tony, the toy guy, you know, collector of Star Wars figures and, you know, whatever the case may be, strip all of that away, everything, like everything that other people would define you as you, what happens when you strip all of that away? What's left? And that was the question that was asked of me when we get, a, get rid of, and literally face to face with somebody with others standing around in a circle. You know, get rid of Tony the photographer, Tony the philosopher, Tony the teacher, you know, any other Tony. Like, when you strip all of that away, what's left? And the, uh, the answer was pretty simple. I'm all that's left. The real me. Without all that extra stuff. And that whenever you look at the real you face to face, 
that's where the real magic comes into play because you discover how you really feel about yourself. You know, whether you love yourself, hate yourself, resent yourself, you know, maybe you were the product of a rape. Maybe you grew up in a horrible situation in a household, feel like you were never wanted. I didn't feel that per se. I mean, my dad, my dad was the product of a rape and so was his dad and his mother which is still kind of mind-boggling to me. But he didn't really know how to be much of a dad because he never had a dad figure, never had a father figure, other, other than my uncle a little bit. And then there was another uncle who was like a father figure to him, and he ended up molesting him. So, you know, I mean, it was very convoluted. And so I picked up on that as a kid, of course. But um, where was I heading with that? That was a rabbit trail. Um, ultimately, you can't allow the, those things to define you. I mean, they are part of who you are. But at the end of the day, what the if there ever was a magic wand event, I wouldn't call it an easy button by any stretch of the imagination. But if there ever was a magic wand event, it would have to be the day that I accepted myself. That this Tony stripped down of everything that I thought defined me down to my core, the day that I accepted myself for who I was and loved myself because... Not because of what I did, not because of who I was, not because of people I knew, but just decided to love myself because. Because I'm a unique person here on this planet for whatever reason. Everything changed. That was a magic wand moment. And uh, the results were dramatic. Um, and, and it took actually a couple years for that to really fully expand into my awareness of what that all meant. But I mean, like in my business, for example, right after I came to that realization, the next month we did over $300,000. Um, that next month, this is before Chris and I were together. Um, which is crazy. I mean, those are just crazy numbers. Um, and uh, things started really changing in my business and people started taking notice of me and all of that. But it wasn't until a couple years later, like what happened in that shift was then all of a sudden these people started coming into my life who had these ideas of who I could be and who I should be uh, rather than accepting me for who I was. And I allowed it, you know, um, because I felt like I still like in relationships and, and business and personal, like I still felt like there was a hole there, like something was missing, that I wasn't complete uh, without having somebody in my life. Because I really wanted to have somebody in my life who, you know, was business minded like me and, you know, whatever, that we could be a team. 
And I really wanted that, but I didn't know how it would work or the dynamics. And so as a result, there were a number of um, relationships that I was in that in those situations, they tried to impose their idea of me, their version of Tony. And I played along until, you know, the there was such a uh, cognitive dissonance for lack of a better way of saying it, that I had to stop. It's like, this just isn't me, you know? I I just, you know, I can't do this anymore. I wasn't happy. I, you know, and so then, you know, there's all the emotion of breakups and all the kind of crazy, I hated it. And, um, you know, well, maybe this is who I am. So it was somewhat discovery on my part um, and somewhat putting myself in a situation because I felt I had this need to have somebody. And then the day came when this realization occurred to me. You know what? That Tony that I discovered a couple years ago is complete as is. I don't need anybody else. I don't need a uh, significant other to help define me or bring out my best. My best already exists. Don't need anyone. I have my girls. I have great friends. I have my, my work, which I love. I am complete as is. And I love who I am. That was magical one, number two or three, however many, but it was another magic wand type moment coming to that understanding that I'm okay. You know what? I'm okay. I don't need anything exterior to define me as being better because I'm already a hundred percent better, hundred percent complete as is. And as I've shared before, two weeks later, Kristen and I started dating and I'm like, damn it. You messed everything up. Like here I am going along. Everything's good. I finally figured my shit out and <laughs> here you are. But the reality is that at that, t at that time, I mean, Kristen and I had already been friends for years and, um, we just didn't know or realize what the future held for us as a couple. And she'll tell you, I was very, very apprehensive. Because um, I just made this huge life-altering type decision. And then all of a sudden, you know, from outward appearances, I'm falling back into the same pattern again. And it scared me. I, it was just like, I can't do this again. And um, what I didn't realize, of course was that Kristen had no intention of changing me. She loved who I was exactly as I was. Um, if anything, um, being together with her just enhanced what was already there or revealed parts of who I was that I hadn't fully seen yet or believed. You know, you can see something about yourself and that's different from actually believing it.
you know that you know you know I can draw pretty well. That's one thing. But accepting the fact that you're an artist is a different conversation as opposed to being able to draw pretty well. And so this real you is really where the magic is. And it really comes down to any, any, um, any of your dreams, your, uh, your desires, you know, whatever the case may be, ultimately the answer to those already lies within you. And when you can align yourself and by yourself, we're talking about multiple versions of the same you, because I think you'll agree that we have our body, we have our mind, our emotions, our soul, our higher self, you know, whatever. And they're not always in alignment. If anything, they're very often very much unaligned. Um, you know, so our conscious mind has a mind of its own, so to speak, and does all kinds of stupid, wacky shit that messes things up. And then our subconscious is there going, hold on, let's bring it back together. You know, and, and the highest version of ourself, you know, our highest self is, you know, trying to get us into alignment so that we can actually discover who we really are and love that version of ourselves. Um, it's blind faith in a lot of ways to accept that, but it really truly is magical. I never, I, I don't know that I'd go so far to say is uh, that I never believed I would get there. It's just, I know who I was earlier as a person. And I was as lost as anybody, just kind of groping around trying to find the freaking walls, you know, and then complaining that I found walls. The key to getting out of the box you're in isn't in discovering that you're in a box and it isn't in discovering the walls or even a doorway. The key to getting out of the box that you're in is to accept the fact that there is no box. That's where the magic is. And that's the conclusion that I ultimately came to. And once I fully embraced that, I have to tell you, and I'm not saying this to, to brag or gloat or anything like that. It's just, it is what it is. I love how my life is. I love everything about it. Um, I'm just looking for more, you know, and not more from a greed perspective, just more from a calling perspective, like where I'm headed and, uh, individually and as a married couple, um, and as a dad and a grandfather, as a retail owner and a online business owner, where I'm headed is so much bigger than where I am right now. Because it get, I get to impact more people. I get to make more connections. 
um, all of that stuff, influence. <clears throat> and I can't wait to get there. But now it's no longer like this pie-in-the-sky dream of, man, wouldn't it be nice if... Where's that damn button, you know? Where's that magic wand that I can just kind of swirl over my head and all of a sudden I'm going to be there? It doesn't work that way. I wish I could tell you differently, but it just doesn't work that way. But the more important point is that you can still get there. You don't need the magic wand. You don't need the frustration. You don't need any of that other stuff. What you need is faith in yourself and making positive, right choices. You know, just putting one foot in front of the other. Um, you know, different ones have said that showing up is half the battle. And I agree with that, but um, you have to want it. And it sounds so shallow to say that. Because there's a lot more to that sentence than just the words. Because it comes down to, like, I feel like I'm obsessively compelled. <laughs> I can't think of other words better than that. Like, I'm co obsessively compelled to do what I'm doing. And that's why, you know, every so often I'll have somebody, you know, complain or something like that to customer support about, you know, you know, why do you always keep selling offers and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't happen very often, maybe once a year, honestly. But the reality is that, I mean, I have thousands of customers. And, you know, it's likely that all of you were multiple time customers of mine, and I truly appreciate it. But while I do receive money in compensation for the courses and stuff that I create, I mean, that's part of my job. And so I'm compensated for that. I'm not looking to my customers as my source. How limiting, <laughs> you know, you piss off a bunch of people and you're screwed. Your whole business tanks. My source is different. You know, it's, it's like, um, it's magical. I can't think of a better way. It's divine. Um, I tell Kristen all the time and I've shared it here before as well. All the time, every day. I tell myself every day all the time i have no idea where the money's going to come from i have no idea how things are going to work out i just know they are and i believe it 110 percent because i have proof after proof after proof i have a decade of proof that whether it looks like we're going to sink whether it looks like all hell's going to break out, somehow, some way that I don't understand, it's all going to work out in the end. And for the first time live, 
I would like to tell you how many times it did not work out in believing that. Because it seems like a fool's belief, doesn't it? Out of, you know, what, 10 years times 365 days. So, out of uh, 3,600 tries, 3,650 tries, how many times did it not work out? My blind faith in believing that it would. Well, that number is zero. There's never been one time where it didn't. Never once. It's always worked every time. And there aren't too many things in life where you can make that claim that it always works every time. But it did. Don't know how. Can't explain it. I'm not any more special than you guys. But it just did. And one of the big secrets that I discovered in that is that you have to be really, really, really careful what you attach your thoughts to, your expectation to, because the moment you start thinking, oh, what's well, going to come from here, guess what? It's not. And chances are likely every time you think the answer will come from a certain direction, whether it's money or otherwise, doesn't matter. Um, it doesn't. It actually, there, there really is a thing about being unattached to outcomes because um, as soon as we get attached, that's when we start taking the wheel. Kristen had this dream last night. She told, told me about it. We were doing a little Christmas shopping at Target before the show. And um, her and, and I were in an RV. It wasn't ours. Um, we were, it was some famous person. She said, Adam, uh, Adam Levine from Maroon 5. But that's just because we watched The Voice last night, I think. But anyways, it doesn't really matter who it was. Um, but we're in this big RV. She said it was kind of shaped like a bullet train car. And um, we were having something to drink. Or we were in the back just kind of laughing and goofing off and, stu and stuff. And she wanted to get something. I don't know if it was a drink or whatever. But they told her that it was at the front of the RV. So she gets up there and there's nobody at the driving wheel at the, uh, at the wheel of this RV, the freaking thing's driving by itself. And she looked up and there was a sharp curve coming and she panicked. She freaked out and said, um, you know, there's this, there's this curve coming. So she jumped in the driver's seat and she's trying to turn the wheel um, in anticipation of this curve. And the more she tried to turn, the worse off we were on the road. Like it started swerving and all this kind of stuff. And um, she ran back, you know, to where me and this person, Adam or whoever it was, was sitting. And we're just relaxed and having a good old time. And she's like, there's nobody driving your RV and there's a sharp curve coming. And he's like, yeah, it's, it's uh, self-driving. It's new technology. He said, it's amazing. I've driven all over the place for years and never had an incident once. And he's like, the secret is that you can't hold on to the wheel. You got to let the machine do its thing. And as she's telling me this story, the, 
the uh, uh, the song from Carrie Underwood, like her first big song, Jesus Take the Wheel, uh, popped into my head, which is funny because um, when Kristen was having the dream, the same song popped into her head whenever our host said that to her, which is kind of funny. Um, but the lesson was, and it really applies to what I'm talking about today with magic wands and such. The lesson was, is that whenever you trust the plan and not try to take hold and control it, whenever you let go, that's when you can see the magic manifest itself and work out. I can't explain to you how it works, why it works, when it works, all of that. I just know that it does. And chances are likely that all of you have had some experience of that in your life. It's really amazing. You know, like where something happens and then you kind of sit back and start processing through it after the fact. And you're like, what are the odds? Like, what are the odds that that would have happened that way? Like, I never would have done it that way, but yet it was perfect in how it manifested itself. And that's when just these crazy cool things start happening. You know, like, um, I got this random phone call the other day. Uh, there's a local ice cream manufacturer, uh, that we had talked to months ago about possibly carrying their ice cream in our bakery when we opened that. And I hadn't talked, talked to the guy for months and, um, all of a sudden, I think it was Sunday. All of a sudden I get, or no, it was, um, Wednesday, this, uh, last Wednesday. Cause I was meeting with my son-in-law here. Um, I get this phone call out of the blue and it's the owner of the company for the ice cream company. And, um, their ice cream is awesome, by the way. Um, but he says, I was going to follow up with you in January, but, um, you know, with regard to ice cream in your, your, uh, bakery and stuff, he's like, which by the way, how are you doing with that? And so I explained to him a little bit and told him that we definitely wanted to use his ice cream whenever we opened it. He's like, well, I have this just random thing that I wanted to run by you. I didn't want to interrupt your day, but I was just talking to this guy on the phone 15 minutes ago, and he's got this business that has done really well, but he's older and um, he's been battling cancer and he just don't want the stress of the business. And so um, he's got seven acres and multiple buildings and multiple businesses on this thing. And he uh, just dropped the price his asking price by a hundred thousand and he's willing to a hundred percent owner finance and all of this kind of stuff. And you were the first person that popped into my mind. So I'm giving you a call. I'm telling you all about this. Um, here's his number. If you want to give him a call and learn more about it. Um, but I just wanted you to know, like you can't make stuff like that happen. You know, I wasn't looking for it. I, I, I was familiar with the business he was talking about. Um, 
it's actually kind of cool. Um, the, uh, there's a different restaurant in there in the space now. Kristen and I, like as soon as she got off work, we because she was working the store that day, we drove out there and we had ice cream, which they were serving Hershey's ice cream, which is not anywhere near the same as um, this other place. But so we checked out the restaurant because there's a restaurant on there. They have outdoor seating. They have a, um, a really beautiful miniature golf range. They have um, a petting zoo with like deer and stuff. They have an archery shop there, um, which of course we're not really in the archery, but the archery shop was doing like a hundred grand a year, which for the size of the building, it blows my mind. Um, we were thinking more like, oh, I don't know, gem mine. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if we're going to actually take this place or not. Um, the location isn't a hundred percent ideal for what we were thinking about, but as I was thinking on it later, um, and asking about it in my quiet time, meditation time, the thought that came to me was, it's not so much that you're supposed to necessarily take this, although it is an opportunity. It's to let you know that you have tunnel vision. You know, you're thinking that your stores can only happen in this certain kind of scenario within the context of downtown. And that isn't the case. There's a lot of opportunities that exist that will serve you perfectly that does not necessarily exist in the borough of downtown Chambersburg uh, on Main Street. And so it's like, oh, okay. You know, so even when you think you figure things out, I mean, there's still these times where you have like these seemingly random events that take place. Like, who do you think whispered in his ear to uh, Richard? to have him call me. I mean, I hadn't talked to him since June, right? Same person that's telling me I have tunnel vision, whoever that is, you know? So it's just amazing to me how these things can come together. And yeah, you could absolutely say they're magical, but I have nothing to do it. I'm not, you know, raising a magic wand. I have several. <laughs> One of the great things about, uh, owning your own nerd and toy shop is that all that inventory that you have to have in those stores, well, it's yours. <laughs> you can go in and take whatever you want. So um, that part's really kind of fun, actually. But um, I don't know if we're going to do the, that deal or not. Um, but just the fact that it presented itself to us is awesome. I mean, it's yet another thing to be grateful for. And I mean, you can have a lot of fun on seven acres, you know, um, I'd prefer a hundred, uh, <laughs> for some of the ideas that we have, but, um, anyway, let's, let's go to comments and questions. <laughs> Tony says escapism and a love of being non-conforming. There is that. And William brings up a really good point, actually. He says, ah, but the ones do work if you believe. The placebo effect is alive and well. Yeah, I didn't think about that, but that is definitely a true story. Um, 
And he also says, uh, changing your perception is the only way to change the outcome without changing any of the facts. Andy Andrews, our beliefs determine our perspective. Oh yeah, absolutely. And Andy Andrews is awesome. I love his perspective on things. Uh, and Tony says, um, you could call a water divining stick a magic wand. Uh, not a conventional shape, but they do uh, work, it seems. I've seen them work. I actually have a set of divining sticks. And uh, it's the craziest thing. But I think, like with those, if you really got down to it, there would be physics behind it. You know, which probably is true of anything, uh, if you think about it. I mean, anything that is un not understood appears to be magic, right? It's only magic until you know the secret. And I told you a couple of those secrets today. <laughs> Tony says, winning the lottery for me would be magic as I don't buy a ticket. That would be impressive. Although it could still happen. You know, somebody wins the lottery and decides, you know what? That Tony is something else. I really appreciate him. Um, and, you know, whisk you off a check for, well, you're in the UK, so it'd be like, you know, a million pounds or something like that. That wouldn't suck, right? That'd be cool. Uh, and Jess says, tell me about it. It took many years to admit I was an artist to myself. I know. I, you know. This uh, this coming year holds a lot of interesting and challenging things for me along those lines for personal projects. You know, it's easy for me to teach other people how to do something, but for me to t take full ownership, you know, this is still part of my unveiling, if you will. For me to take ownership for my own greatness, as some folks would say, um, is still challenging at times. Um, and Mavis says, accepting that there is no box, a timely reminder. Thanks. You're welcome. That was one of the big uh, revelations for me in that session where, you know, I had to get down to the core of who I was. I went there feeling like I was stuck in a box and that I was bumping up against the ceiling. And uh, the revelation in it was exactly that. It wasn't that all of a sudden the ceiling was lifted and I could climb out or that the walls fell down and finally I could escape. It was that they didn't exist there to begin with. I actually did that, you know, did that to myself. I created the walls and made them real. That didn't make, that didn't mean that they were real. I made them real to myself. <laughs> Lori says, excellent session, Dr. Tony. I am working on my branding this week. I've always seriously struggled with this. Today I was looking at a book on Amazon for something else when this branding book came out of the blue, totally off topic from my search. Now on your show, you just told me why I struggle right on target. Hmm. Do you think the universe is trying to help me? Oh, absolutely. And not just the universe, by the way. Um, 
you were trying to help yourself. Like, we have this incredible, amazing power that is wise, that is smart. Um, you know, you could call it your higher self, your divine soul, you can call it whatever you want, but it knows and it tries to get through. It's just that we're so darn good at pushing it down or believing what it tells us. You know, when in reality, if we just aligned ourselves with that, man, how much further down the road will we be? You know, and so she says, thanks, bunch, bunches and millions. Have a Merry Christmas and a happy and very productive New Year. Thank you. I appreciate that. And Mark says, I remember sunny day. I think I was in my late 20s. I got home at about dusk and the sky was amazing with every color imaginable. It looked unreal. I pulled my wife outside and we stood in the driveway looking up and turning slowly, ooing and aahing. Uh, as we did, uh, some of the neighbors passed and I could hear them say, what the hell are they looking at? There's nothing but sky. Nothing but sky, I said to myself incredulously, incredulously, unable to even wrap my brain around the statement. It was one of the many moments that illustrated again the sharp contrast of my thinking and in-the-moment attitude that seemed to be missing in others. It didn't make me feel superior. It made me feel different and a little sad. That's really it. I had um, a family member actually uh, somewhat uh, somewhat recently say that I was uh, narcissistic. And when we got right down to which, of course, that was hurtful to hear that. Um, but when we got right down to it, it had nothing to do with me actually being full of myself. It, it came down to the fact of my confidence, you know, and owning who I am as a person. And so, and there's a very big difference, uh, between what I'm talking about and ego or narcissism or something like that. Um, there's nothing wrong with being content. There's nothing wrong with being happy, but just understand that the contrast is very stark compared to what most people currently experience in their life, you know, in their life. Chris says, seven acres, but look at adjoining spaces. You may uh, be able to assemble your hundred acres. Oh, I already uh, Google mapped that sucker, believe me. <laughs> First thing I did as soon as I got home was pulled it up on Google Maps and went to the satellite view. I wanted to see what was around it. <laughs> and Mavis says, maybe the seven acres show up to let you know whether the hundred acres is the right goal. Actually, I, if I go for the full Monty, the big dream, I probably need about a thousand or so acres in reality. But we are recognizing that um, a lot of our current steps that we are taking are 
in essence, baby steps to help us plan and prepare to discover like hidden traps or things that we didn't necessarily think about or consider or whatever. So um, there definitely is something like we are paying attention to opportunities that present themselves just from the perspective of does this ultimately get us to where we need to be? Or, you know, what are the lessons being learned in this circumstance? <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> Mark says, hold on to uh, hold out for the hundred acres. You already have more in your head than will fit uh, on even that. Yeah. True story. Um, and Chris says, I really enjoy the show. Love that you take the time to do this sharing. Merry Christmas. Thanks. Uh, William says, question. We are good at listening to our negative self-talk. Tony, why do you think we so ignore our internal higher power self-talk? Well, I think... Some of it is not our own fault directly um, because we are surrounded by and inundated with negative. You know, I mean, you think about today's state of religion, today's state of politics, today's state of life in general. I mean, even if good stuff happens, it doesn't show up in mainstream media, you know. And if it is good, most of the time it's presented as bad. Um, so we're inundated with it because fear is what controls people. You can't have people who are happy and self-confident and living their dream, uh, at least in large numbers, because you lose control over them, right? Uh, and the best way to control somebody is through fear. And so we're surrounded by that so much that I think it becomes easy to believe it. You know, we get caught up in it. And so it's easy to believe, well, maybe we aren't worth anything. Maybe we aren't all of that. You know, after all, so-and-so tried and they failed. You know, why am I any better? Um, and that's why I, it's important to be informed of what's going on in the world. But beyond that... Um, the best thing you can do is tune out the negative as much as possible and then uh, make a choice to start listening to the higher power talk. You know, and if you have thoughts popping into your head that um, what if it doesn't work or you shouldn't even try or you're stupid or you're nothing but a failure or whatever. Well, guess what? You're that is not the voice you want to listen to. You can tell it to shut up. <coughs> you know, I found that. Um, I've shared before, I think, but uh, years ago, um, one thing I remember out of the, uh, the constant sermons and stuff that were played in my house uh, as, a, as a teenager um, through a lot of the charismatic teachers of the church, which... I really learned a lot about um, controlling fear and all of that from them. I'm really grateful to them for that. Uh, and one one of those lessons was from 
uh, Kenneth Copeland, who said, uh, you know, uh, whenever you speak, your your brain has to shut up to hear what your mouth has to say. And so he was talking about negative talk and that whenever you have these negative voices inundating your mind, just start saying something positive. That's why gratitude is so important. You know, start giving thanks. You can't think and speak at the same time. We don't work that way. Um, and our thoughts can be uh, damn persistent. I mean, I'll tell you that. I'll give them that much. Negative thoughts can be incredibly persistent. But you just need to be more persistent with gratitude. And you can win that fight because I've done it. Mavis says, a lot of people feel threatened by those who are different. Like when you don't care what they think, when you feel free to be exactly who you are, when you aim for your dreams and goals, they don't get it. They don't even see the box they're in. And that's sad. Yeah, I agree. Um, people do fear what they don't understand. They fear, they fear uh, what's different from them. Um, that's why we have racial issues and gender issues and everything else. Um, but by the same token, um, the only people can only change when they recognize that they need to change. And so, um, you can't always choose who your family is, but you can choose how much time you spend with them. And you can certainly choose who your friends are. And, um, Kristen and I, are incredibly deliberate in who we spend our time around. And for those who we have to spend time around, um, like our employees, for example, um, they're not all, you know, they're not all positive all the time and they certainly have their own struggles and worries and whatever, but it gives us an opportunity as their employers, but also as friends to share what we figured out, you know, and I remember my son-in-law who, you know, whenever he first got married to my daughter, I couldn't stand the guy. I thought he was an idiot. And at times I still think that, <laughs> but, um, I remember we took them on vacation with us several years ago, maybe three, three or four years ago. And I guess three years ago. And after the vacation, he asked to meet with me. And I had already kind of come to terms with him because I saw he was, he was good with his children, my grandkids. And I appreciated that. And so I, you know, I got to know him better, but I remember he came to me after this vacation and he's like, can I talk to you for a couple of minutes? And I said, sure. And he said, you know, when we were on vacation, I really watched you and Kristen. It's like, I know you have your businesses and all that kind of stuff, but I really watched you guys and how you think about things and how you approach things. And what I noticed was that you guys think a lot differently than I do. He's like, there's something that you figured out that I haven't, and it's obvious. And I want to learn what that is. And I thought that was the coolest thing. 
you know, because I wasn't trying, I was being myself. I wasn't trying to be something as an example, quote unquote, but yet I was an example. And he noticed it. And he can be a bit full of himself at times. And so the fact that he even acknowledged that was, I thought, a big step. Um, and of course, now he works for us full time. But, um, but it was just, you know, it's just really a great example of him noticing that there was something different, like Mavis was saying. Um, but rather than strike out against, you know, out of jealousy or whatever, he embraced that and recognized that it was something that he wanted as well. Um, and I'll wrap up with this comment, mostly because it's one of the last. Uh, Mark says, thank you for sharing yet again. Truly a highlight of my week. Happy holidays. I look forward to working with you next, uh, working with you this next year. Give a call when you get a chance for a rock update. I absolutely will. Uh, we were just talking about that the other day, actually. But thank you for sharing that. And happy holidays to all of you. You know, uh, regardless of how you celebrate this time of year, whether it's Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or Boxing Day or Christmas or something else, you know, uh, as I mentioned last week, just enjoy time that you have, you know, celebrate yourself, celebrate um, the awesome time of the year that it is. Pretty sure Jesus wasn't born on December 25th, like I said last week, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Um, the message is giving. And uh, and giving is pretty awesome. So uh, this is our last show this year. As I mentioned last week, we are taking off next Tuesday because it's Christmas Day. And the following Tuesday because it's New Year's Day. And so our next show will be January the 8th. Okay, and I have GoToWebinar updated already, so you won't receive uh, a notify the next two weeks. I've removed those two days. So um, anyway, enjoy your time together, the holidays, all of that. We'll come um, together on uh, January 8th. And I'm thinking right now, subject to change, that that show may be about how to make the best out of the new year. I have some ideas of some things I might want to share with that. Um, but we'll see. You never know what <laughs> what's going to happen between now and then. Uh, so thank you all very much. I really appreciate uh, your time uh, and joining me here. And we'll talk again soon. <laughs>